On today's episode, we talk about why Tyler Lockett is going to have a big week, why George Kittle is not, and how all the West Coast wide receivers are underrated, every single one. We also run through our million-dollar lineup, which I forgot to enter last week, and we make a fantasy court ruling on whether a White Claw is a beer. Stick around. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I am Danny Heifetz here with Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. DK, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Craig, what's up? Heifetz, you're in a backwards hat. <laughs> I am it's in a, a new backwards look. hat. It's October. It's not spring break. Take the hat off. Time Flip is it around. complete. Don't give me that. Time is irrelevant now. <laughs> the time does ceases to exist. It's Why just, do you have the hat on? Uh, Why not? Bad hair know. day? Yeah. No, that actually is what happened. Oh, really? Yeah, now you just hair shamed me. How do you feel? My hair looks like I got electrocuted and it's just the three of us on the Zoom. What is it? The the kid from The Incredibles? That's always like kind of what I think about with your hair. Syndrome. Oh, <laughs> syndrome. That's your I hair. I thought you were going to say Dash and I was like, that's cool. Fucking no, syndrome. No, 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 not Dash. Not the cool one. No. Actually, yeah. you know who kind of looks like Dash? DK, Calvin, Calvin Kelly kind of looks like Dash. Oh, yeah. That like hardcore blonde. If Dash were a fullback, that would be your son, DK. I wish I knew what you guys were talking about, but I don't know. I have never seen The Incredibles. What? Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's insane. And this is, we're going to do a poll. <laughs> we're going to do a poll on today's episode. You got to swipe down. If you're lucky, it'll be there. The poll is going to be this. What is more embarrassing? That DK hasn't seen The Incredibles. That Danny Heifetz hasn't seen Wedding Crashers. And what should be the third one? Your hair looks like syndrome from The Incredibles. No, it should be uh, DK doesn't know a Drake song. <laughs> Wait, you have to be involved too, Craig. This is, can't yeah. just be two of my embarrassing moments. <laughs> I don't have anything embarrassing about me. We'll settle this all fair, but there will definitely be a poll. Okay, We'll yeah, definitely have a poll. a poll. We'll figure out what the options are, but please vote in that poll. If you're on Spotify, it's on the actual episode page you're on right now. Please vote. We're not going to like send you a laptop or anything if you vote, but we will ask very nicely. Please vote in the poll. Guys. Okay. We have some fun news here. One of the most fun players in the NFL might be back. Des Bryant is potentially signing <laughs> to the Ravens practice squad. It's kind of deflating when you actually read what happened because it's like, oh, he, he's on the practice squad. So, okay. But he was tweeting about the Rave, but the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, just like a really exuberant fan like three days ago. So it's kind of funny that he's on an NFL team again. But I mean, there's no fantasy value here whatsoever. Is there DK? He's the so. same age as Julio Jones. 
Is he, he hasn't really? played since 2017. <laughs> same, he's the same age as Julio Jones. That's that's wild. His because he feels like he's been out of the. I feel like he was trying to catch on with the Saints and got hurt like two years ago. He's a year younger than AJ Green. So I do think wow. it is fascinating though. Like, is he com- is he coming in? And I, I guess they're probably signing him to the practice squad because then it gives him a ramp up period before you know to go through all the COVID protocols first of all, and then to get ramped up to the offense, and then maybe that maybe they'll call call him up to the majors, so to speak. But I just I do think it is fascinating that the timing of all of this, like. They obviously have a reason for doing this. Uh, maybe it's because Miles Boykin hasn't been as good as they thought he'd be, the second-round pick from a couple of years ago or what, but um, he's definitely, in my mind, he's not going to come in and be the number one on that offense. Like my, uh, Marquise Brown is the clear number one. Mark Andrews is the clear 1B or Well, and that two, offense doesn't do enough. Look at it. The offense just doesn't like have yeah. enough like volume to go around Dez would be like the type of guy who have like one or two catches a game he'd like catch one 30 yard pass a game kind of like what Josh Gordon used to do on the Seahawks he, he's gonna be he's gonna be exactly what Mike Evans is this year he's like the, the goal line fade guy and that's it mm, yeah. you could convince me that the Ravens trading for Yannick and Gakwe will affect the Ravens defense and special teams fantasy wise more than Des Bryant will ever affect your team <laughs> for the rest of his life combined so I don't think Des is that big of a deal but good for him yeah. All right. I like this. Yeah. Uh, let's go through last week's gut gut bold. How everyone did? Yeah. Do we have to? Is, is that wasn't our finest? I want to. I hit my bold. <laughs> Y'all made fun of me. Oh yeah. Wait. What was your bold? Did we? I don't think we made fun of you. I got the is people made fun of me about Irv Smith. Well, who's people? What are you like? Many people are saying right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, many people are saying I was made fun of and mocked. There are conversations going on about my my Irv Smith prediction, but. It paid off. He had nine and a, everyone was like, oh, he's not going to, everybody was like, he's not going to have 10 fantasy points. Everybody. He had nine and a half. We did a poll and 10,000 people voted only yes, like make fun of Craig for the Irv Smith pick. That was <laughs> the entirety of the poll. Well, let's get into your guys' guts. I'm going to run through mine real quick. My my gut, my first gut was David Montgomery, 20 half PBR points, wrong, 11.7. He did, I will say, have the opportunity like there was a, he got a ton of volume, got a ton he of He had a touchdown called back also. He had a touchdown called back that was just like a hair away from being a touchdown. So right. um, he was, he was closer than it sounds. He had 11.7 points. So not, you know, that was definitely a miss on my part, but. And hang on to Montgomery. Like, I still think he's like a, a proper buy low. If he was two inches forward on that one run, he would have had yeah. like 18 fantasy points and we would have been like, wow, David Montgomery's a thing now. So stick Pretty around. Pretty solid. This is, I think, and this is honestly going to make, we talked about the narrative around David Montgomery, Craig, like how Twitter hates him. This game made Twitter hate him even more. Like people are out on Montgomery. I admit I'm wavering a little bit after this because he did. He was going up against the worst run defense in the NFL and he had the opportunity, he had the volume to do everything. He just didn't really do anything with it. It's just Um, hard not to be behind the guy who's literally getting more snaps than any other running back in the league. You know who? Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we really should, we talk about this every year. We should really do the fantasy league where close counts because David agree. Montgomery would be so good. Like, that you just get the ball funny. at the one, you automatically get the touchdown whether you got it or not. I was going to look up if there was a website or some metric somewhere that anyone did that kept track of how many times somebody got tackled on the one. Yeah, it's just goal line carries. That's a that's touchdowns. It, David it's Montgomery like would be great in that. Like yeah. the Calvin, we call the Calvin Johnson metric. Yeah, it's like in golf how you have like a gimme. You just, you, you don't even have to tap it in. Like that counts. Every three you stopped at the ones, you get six points. <laughs> yeah, but some people give the gimmies from like the equivalent of like seven, like the seven yards from the goal line. 
Give me cultures out that. of control, to be honest. People talk about cancel culture. Such Give me culture? Ridiculous. Thing. Come on. People take putts, man. Anyway, how did the rest of your picks go, DK? My second gut was the worst. It was, well, actually, the last two were the worst. Liska Chanel, over 100 scrimmage yards was my gut prediction. And he just had a dud. He was just, he had four touches, 11 yards. Part of my prediction, I will say, was that DJ Chark was not going to play. He ended up being a late addition to the game. He kind of, he like gutted out this ankle injury that he had and came in. Yeah, and he, he 14, gutted out 13, 14 targets. targets. <laughs> he gutted out your gut call. That really, number one, that really fucked with my prediction. But also, <laughs> Chenault just, he couldn't get on the same page with uh, with Minshew. And so that was just a really, that's just a big miss on my part. Um, I do think Chenault will bounce back and he'll he'll end up having, you know, some more good games this year. But just a bad, bad week for that. And then my bold call, and based on reactions on Twitter, I was not the only person that was banking on a Nicole Hardman big game. Uh he had my my prediction was 80 yards and a touchdown. He had one target and zero catches. The the Hardman thing is just not happening at this point. I, I agree. Yeah. We got to talk about Hardman briefly here. Yeah. He was kind of touted when they drafted him as the next Tyreek Hill. He's a second he's, rounder, dude. And he's well, not. Well, I mean, yeah, they took him when Tyreek Hill's future in the Tyreek Hill's future in the NFL was particularly uncertain. Right. And but this this Kansas City offense is obviously incredibly potent. And in some ways they've underperformed for the standards that we expected them to to perform at. Who, who's the person to have on your team that's not Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey in the receiving game? Who's next? Honestly, it's if, like a if, rotating cast. It's like not even worth having any of them at this point. I don't I think like. any of them are worth rostering because it's going to be so specific to that week's game plan. I think Demarcus Robinson is the guy I would run a roster first. See, maybe, I, I, I think that makes you think that all of them should be rostered. Rather than none uh, of them. It's just they're so boom bust. Like I don't think there's going to be anyone more boom bust than all the Chiefs receivers or pass catches rather other than Kelsey and Hill. It's just, it's just like it's not worth playing that game. It's not, it's the least fun thing to try to guess who the fourth option in that offense is going to be. I do think that that the Michael Hardman failure was an interesting like example of a bigger thing that's happening this year with the Chiefs, which is and and this was especially apparent in this game. The Bills essentially said. We're not going to let you beat us deep. We're not going to yeah. let you throw the ball deep. We're not getting beat by your speedsters. Tyreek Hill was a big disappointment in this game. Just three catches for 20 yards. Obviously, Hardman, no catches. The Bills essentially came out and said, we're not going to let your speed guys beat us. You can dink and dunk us to death. And the, and the Chiefs did do that. Like They ran the ball 40, 45 times or 46 40, times. It was the like most that. running attempts they've ever had in an Andy Reid coached game ever. Regular or postseason. The man's been a coach for 20 years. So this to me is like, you know, obviously the, the Bills did not win, but they put themselves in a position to win. And it's going to be something that team, it's, it's something that teams have been doing and it's something the teams are going to continue to do at a higher rate, I think. And so it makes these guys, you know, especially like Hardman, where his main thing is like he has a home run hitting style. Very, very boomer yeah. bust. DK, I want to I read a quote from Patrick Mahomes on exactly what you're saying. After the Bills game, and again, they ran them more than any Andy Reid game ever. Uh, and it, Patrick Mahomes said, once we saw how deep their linebackers and safeties and corners were playing, we knew that we had to run. We really just stayed with it. If teams are going to play us like this, you're going to see us running the football. We have the guys that can do it. It takes me back to my college days at Texas Tech when we're getting eight defenders in pass coverage and the linebackers are six, seven yards deep. If teams are going to do that, we've got to run the football until they come up. And when they come up, we're going to throw the football again. So that's really cool from an X's and O's perspective. Totally sucks from fantasy because we don't know what defenses are going to do going into the game. 
Right. It could it could be good for Clyde though, especially if you know yes. part of his workload gets taken out by Le'Veon Bell when he starts getting in there. You know, he's still his volume as a runner could go up. So at least from that point of view, it could be good for him. And he can't score any less touchdowns. Like it's not like Le'Veon <laughs> Bell can take touchdowns away right. from him because he doesn't have them. Correct. Maybe that's the other league Correct. we should do. We take touchdowns away from people. <laughs> but if you look at the snaps, I just looked at the snaps from week three to week six on the Chiefs. McCall Hardman and, and Robinson are pretty much neck and neck, except last week Robinson destroyed him in snaps. So that just, I guess, shows you how much of a coin toss it is. But if you want to base it off last week, Robinson might be the guy until Hardman has a big game and then Hardman's the guy. I think both of them should be on somebody's team. Freaking Byron Pringle had two catches for 46 yards. He had like a huge third down catch. Yeah. It just reminded me that Pringle cans are too small. They just need to make it so you can fit your hands in the thing. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh, apologies for the for the bad predictions this last week. It was an off week. I'm going to try and get back on track this week. Back on the horse. Okay, Craig, how you doing? You got your bold. What were your other two? Okay, so my gut was Jonathan Taylor had the best game of his season so far. I was wrong. He had the third best game of the season so far. He had 13 and a half points. The Jonathan Taylor breakout is coming. Wasn't this week. It is. I feel like it is. But it's coming. My second one was, this is my bad one. This is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster on my Pittsburgh Steelers would be the best scoring wide receiver on Pittsburgh last week. That was super wrong. He had two catches for six yards. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. The Juju thing is fascinating to me. Yeah, James Washington ended up being the guy who had the, the big week. So, yeah. I don't want to be, here's the thing. At what point are we going to start hearing that Juju should spend less time on Twitch and more practicing? You're already hearing it. <laughs> and here's the real question. Do we believe it? Are we going to shame him no. for having a life no. and being fun? Or no. when do we do that? Hell no. So I am starting to become uh, pretty confident that Juju's not going to be in the Steelers next year. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I know. It feels like a foregone conclusion at this point. I still think he can have a good career and everything, but... Just the way that they're using him in this offense, like Deontay seems to be the highest volume guy, and then Chase Claypool now has emerged as like the big play threat. And then Washington's competition. Washington's still around too, man. Three yeah. weeks from now, is he going to have 250 yards over the last three games? And we're going to be talking about how we should have seen him as like a obvious by low candidate, or no? Can, it's just honest, not how the offense yeah. works right now. Well, if you look at this, like the, their targets, and it doesn't seem that way. It's not like Juju's just not catching his passes. Like he's getting like the third most targets on the team behind Claypool and Deontay Johnson, including red zone looks like he's just not an essential part of the offense right now. I think he's going to have a few spike games in the, in, during the course of the season, but it's going to be very difficult to predict when that's going to happen. He's going to be a frustrating person to have on your team just because you don't know like when it's going to come. He's either the first, he's either the go-to guy in an offense or the fourth guy in this offense. It's like and Pittsburgh spreads the ball around more than almost any other team. I saw some stat about like teams that throw to just two of their big wide receivers the most. And then mm-hmm. the bottom of the chart is like the teams that spread it out. And like at the top was like the Vikings, right? Cause all they throw to is Thielen and Jefferson. The Steelers were dead last. Cause they just, there's no two guys they go to. They pepper the most. It's like the Patriots backfield is this uh, of receivers. I just, yeah, it's tough. So that's that. And then my my bold was that Kirk Cousins and Irv Smith would have over 30 fantasy points, and they did. They had about- The garbage time uh, kings. Love they it. had about 34. Irv had nine and a half. Kirk had 23. Nice. Good work. Real quick. Kirk. Uh, oh, I wanted to ask you as just, just blind resume. Someone has 23 catches and 194 yards, and someone has 13 catches and 119 yards. Who's who? In the whole league? Team. Whole league. 
What? I don't know. How are we supposed First to First one's Juju. <laughs> uh, okay. Greg Ward. The second is Demarcus Robinson for the Chiefs. Okay. <laughs> I'm wow, just saying. Jesus. I'm just saying. He has like 60 more yards than Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, that's... Anyway. Sorry, let's move on. C- Cousins, Smith, congratulations. Hi, Fitz. What was yours? So uh, I said Andy Dalton would be a top 10 quarterback, and I said Jared Goff would be a top 10 quarterback. Those were both wrong. Tough. The Goff one was going to take the L because he sucked, and the Niners were better. The Dalton one was wild because, he, I mean, he was the QB 22, but first of all, Michael Gallup, who is dead to me, it dropped a touchdown in the end zone that would have made Dalton oh the 11th best quarterback. And I just, I do want to say, as wrong as QB 22 is, he was a 10-yard... I mean, Michael Gallup just catches the ball in his hands, and he's like the 11th. So, almost. But I was more amazed. I kind of wanted to ask you guys about the Cowboys, though, because the Cowboys are in such a weird place in fantasy. This season, just the big picture organization, everything. But you think about two years ago, this was a team that had Dak, a great offensive line, and no receivers. And it's like every Cowboys fan simultaneously wished that they have good receivers. And now they've gotten the exact... Now it's like, be careful what you wish for. Dak is hurt. All five of their offensive linemen will have turned over if Zach Martin can't play this week. They have undrafted free agents at both tackle spots, who I believe are bottom 10 in in run blocking grade for pro football focus. Zeke Elliott has five fumbles in six games, which is tied for the most through six games in 50 years. Jeez. Not to mention he fumbled twice on Monday Night Football after he told like Lisa Salters, the sideline reporter, I'm not worried about the fumbling anymore. (laughs) Like there is a psychological collapse. But the thing that worries me the most isn't just that Andy Dalton is playing for this team that we were like, oh, he could keep it going, but they can't block anymore. It's a disaster with all these new linemen. The crazy part is what I'm worried about is that without getting too cliche, but I'm about to be all cliche. When a moment like the Dak Prescott thing happens, that was kind of an emotional moment, right? Like that was a pretty heavy moment when he got hurt. In those moments, you come together or you come or you get torn apart. Like it, it, it's, I know it's a cliche, but it's true. And it's really true with football teams. Like teams usually in those moments come together. They follow it up with this bad loss, and what happens? They just start, the Cowboys just start shredding each other, the coaches, immediately after that game ends. The floodgates open, and everyone starts Mm -hmm. blaming themselves. And without being all like locker room prognosticator, there is something to the fact that like they should have come closer, and clearly, like they're unraveling. Do you like they're technically in first place in this division? I mean, we're recording this Thursday. Maybe the Eagles beat the Giants tonight. We'll see what happens, but. I'm not just out on the Cowboys for like X's and O's reasons now from what I saw with this line, which I'm really worried about cannot block for Dalton, but I'm like out on them spiritually as a team. (laughs) It's not X's and O's. It's Jim's and Joe's. (laughs) Just saying. That's that's my gut call in retrospect. That's what I feel like I was missing is I didn't realize, oh, they all hate each other. Yeah, this is like a bird's eye body language doctor view where you're just like, you know, maybe Dak tearing up his ankle just like sucked the air out of everything. And they're just like, fuck <laughs> this. Like, we're not going to win. Losing is going to do that regardless. Like they've, they've, what are they? Two and four now or what? I mean, two and four. And, and uh, <laughs> that was, it was an ugly loss. The, yeah. But basically, are you guys worried about a mark? Cause here's the thing. Cooper, I think has like fourth most targets. CD lamb has been really good. Would you like trade those guys away? That's what I'm asking. That was such a bad loss. Would you just trade away CeeDee Lamb to someone who thinks he's really good? Like, are you worried? Because my whole thing with this offense was Dalton, uh, Dalton's a top 10 quarterback this week because it's a good matchup. And I mean, 
obviously was spectacularly wrong. And I'm wondering, do you think that's just a blip? Or do you think that, look, you know what? Andy Dalton, this line is awful. What, what do we expect of this guy? I, I think I'm holding strong and keep hanging on to CeeDee Lamb, hanging on to Amari Cooper. Gallup is a whole other conversation. But for those two guys in particular, I still think I'm holding on to those guys because I think that the volume is still going to be there. I think that Andy Dalton is going to be better than what we saw this last week. I don't think he's as bad as what we saw this week. I don't think he's like great. He's clearly not Dak um, in terms of what he can do and spread the ball around and all that. But I do think he's better than what we saw this past week. And I think that um, it was just a meltdown on all levels and, and it snowballed on him. And we just didn't see what they could do. I do think that the combination of them having a bad defense and a lot of star power on offense is going to create a bunch of shootout type games. And so I, I still think that these guys are going to have fantasy, like a lot of fantasy value going forward. And I actually think that Dalton's going to do better in the fantasy realm too going forward. You know, it, it's funny how narratives can change literally because of the ball being one inch farther than or one inch closer. Because if Andy Dalton would have completed that pass to Michael Gallup, and if Kyler Murray would have overthrown that ball that he almost overthrew. Oh my God. Such a not good throw. I don't know if it was bad, but it wasn't good. If that was six inches too far and Kirk didn't catch, I mean, the game would be a lot closer and we may be just thinking completely differently about that it. That is the flip right. side to this is they, right. the Zeke's two fumbles spotted them. They fluke, not flukiest, but the shakiest 14-0 lead. As crazy it is, as it is, the 38-10 to 10 game really very easily could have been like 24-17 in, yeah. in like mid I mean, the Cowboys quarter. didn't look good. The second half, they were literally like But dead. so, okay. I would, <laughs> if you could get top tier value for CeeDee Lamb, I would do it. But you guys don't agree. But I, I mean, I, this no, Washington game is very important If you can get top tier value, if you can get top tier value, then I'm not going to look down on you for trading him. I'll put it that way. But I don't think he's going to completely fall off the map either. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a little worried. Okay. We'll see. Okay, let's keep rolling here. Uh, I will say my bold prediction was that Le'Veon Bell would sign with a future. I did it last week, and I was like, we're rolling. It's like a futures bet. It's like, a, get it later. He'll sign with a future Jets opponent, and he will have his season high in yards and touchdowns against that opponent. Part one, boom, sign with the Chiefs like a few hours after we recorded. So that's a win. They're playing in two weeks. Okay. Just saying. I'm what, what, halfway there. He's going to have, in his first game, he's going to have season high yards and TDs? Well, it's it's not as high as it sounds. It's 60 yards and one touchdown. because <laughs> But that's what shot. you're saying. The first game he plays for the Chiefs. 60 yards out. and a touchdown, specifically in the Chiefs-Jets game. Oh, got it. Oh, okay. that makes sense. All right. All right. Let's get into the stuff for this week. DK, Yeah. bounce back. Back on the horse. Back on the Colts. Whatever you're doing. Bounce back is like the whole theme of my entire like week. So I'm going to go with I'm going with Keenan Allen bounce back game. Obviously last time he played 2 weeks ago, he or I guess it was yeah, it was 2 weeks ago. He had a back injury so he missed a, a big chunk of the game. It sounds like he's on track to play this week. I really like the matchup with Jacksonville. I love Herbert. I mean, Herbert is just one of the biggest stories of the season to me. If it wasn't Herbert, if he wasn't kind of like a dorky guy on the Chargers, don't you think it'd be a, a bigger story? Um, that he's basically like outplaying Burrow, and I mean, not, like I'm not like Burrow is playing poorly, but I mean, what he's done is pretty goddamn impressive. If Burrow so was doing what Herbert was doing, everybody would be losing their mind. I could yes. not agree more. It is, it is a perfect exposure of how narratives actually work, right? Because yeah. of exactly of what Craig just said. We, including us, we would be losing. We would be out of our gourds 
We would be leading the yeah. show if Joe Burrow, if he had done on the Monday night football <laughs> thing and barely lost to Breeze, we'd be like, oh, wow, like two legends. Like, absolutely ridiculous. One random fun note about Justin Herbert went from the coolest uniforms in college to the coolest uniforms in the pros. You think that's a it's a semi hot take? I think that you think Oregon's uniforms are the best in the in college. Uh, is that a hot take? It's Oregon. Like, you feel light. Where if you feel if you're going I for aesthetics, where they would have you rather brand go than new Oregon? jerseys every single week. Look, this is maybe because I live in Washington, and Washington and Oregon are it's like the definitely because you live in Washington. Football. Yeah, but like I feel like I see a lot of people say that the Oregon uniform changes is absolutely obnoxious and stupid. Maybe because you live in Washington, like you just said. <laughs> well, uh, it might be obnoxious, but it's undeniably. Pretty sick. Dude, why are we even I, having I, this conversation? I don't ask Craig what he thinks about the Ravens. Like, why are we talking? <laughs> Maybe it's because I live in Washington, but fuck Oregon. <laughs> I don't of even Of course that's shit, why. I like, hey, look, you're you're putting words in my mouth. I like the Oregon uniforms. I'm just saying, I think it sounded like a little bit of a hot take, but it's probably colored by where I live. Anyway. In terms of jerseys, I think that's the coldest take in the world is And Oregon's I thought you cool. were going to say it was a hot take that I thought the Chargers uniforms are the best in the league. I didn't know that's you were right, going to yeah. say Oregon. Yeah, Chargers uniforms are dope. Um, My favorite uniforms in the NFL, for the record, are the Saints all black. I think that's the great, like black and gold. I like the Saints all white with the gold. I think those really? Are cool too. Yeah. I think black and gold is like an unbeatable combo when it's done right. Yeah, I agree. Wait, so DK, I got a question for you. There's that corner on the Jags, Sidney Jones, who has been like really good this year and has kind of come out of nowhere. Does that worry you at all? Do you know if he's going to be on Keenan Allen? Yeah, he's he's been a big surprise and a, and a really bright spot for that defense. And, you know, it's just like a twist of the knife for Eagles fans who have, you know, kind of had to bear with Sidney Jones when he was with the Eagles. Really high hopes well, for him. What a Super know, Bowl. Bear with. <laughs> Get the fuck you know out I mean. of here! <laughs> I mean, it was he was uh, put it to put it lightly. He was disappointing in his in his tenure with the with the Eagles. So um, it's cool to see him succeeding so much in, in Jacksonville and having that like bounce back. But I don't. It's not something I really worry about. Um, based on PFFs like tracking, they're not really shadowing opposing receivers much. Keenan Allen plays in the slot a good amount of the time. He moves around the formation, so. It's not it's not a situation that I would really be like afraid to start Keenan Allen. And I want to throw a few stats at you based on weeks two to four. So that three game stretch when he was healthy, Keenan Allen was healthy, and when Herbert was the starter, Allen had the top weighted opportunity rating in the NFL um, among receivers. So that is that that's a rating at airyards.com. Josh Hermsmeyer does a great job with that. That tracks it, it basically is a combination of air yard share and target share. And what that spits out is basically a, a player's opportunity to score fantasy points. And Keenan Allen was number one in the NFL in that stretch. So chasing the bounce back with Keenan Allen, the you know potential for him to have a huge amount of the, the target share in this game. To put numbers to that, he had 39% target share, which is absolutely absurd in those four games or in those three games. And you know Jacksonville's defense just hasn't been very good. They they're the whole team, I guess, is like spiraling. It feels like over the last few weeks. And Aren't we all? So, yeah. I mean, I don't blame <laughs> them. You know, it's a, it's a stressful time in the world. But 17 <laughs> half PPR points is my benchmark for Keenan Allen. So 17 I, and a half? 17 half PPR points. Here's what I'm thinking about. I, Keenan Allen is pretty underrated, right? I feel like every year he's awesome. No one talks about him as like the top seven wide receiver. Yeah. I think, and I'm just thinking about this now, shoot it down if it's stupid. Are all receivers who play on the West Coast underrated? <laughs> I have to give this <laughs> interesting. Every Seahawks wide receiver has been underrated. Every receiver on the Rams, Robert Woods, always underrated. 
Now we got Keenan Allen's always been underrated. Is it because these guys always play at 125 in East Coast? That's like as people are like <laughs> going to dinner and nobody watches them play. What's going on? I mean, Greg, you say a lot of dumb stuff. I have to say, this is maybe the smartest thing you've ever said. <laughs> I actually think you're exactly right. That's crazy. The only thing I would, I actually think this is a, a very good theory. It's wild. The only thing I would throw out to you is that Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. And maybe it's his fault. Entire career on the West Coast. Maybe it's like a Jordan so, thing. Yeah, but I mean, I, when you're when you're like far and away the best wide receiver ever, maybe that like is good enough to. I guess that's, get people that's in East true. Coast to watch, but that's just my working theory. I'm actually I like blown this theory. Away. Let's we should dig into this next week and, and try and like like feel this out and see if we can like actually come to a good like with some data. I like this though. Yeah, please email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail if you have any thoughts on this. The one problem I'm <laughs> going to point out to you in advance is we have to define West Coast because Southwest Arizona is Larry Fitz and DeAndre Hopkins, but if we just go with the coast, then no, like, Hopkins just got Hopkins there. doesn't count. He, yeah. I, I'm actually amazed by this. Okay. I like this theory, though. It's a good one. Okay. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Craig, do you, you have a gut off of that? Yes. So uh, I'll keep it quick. Matt Ryan, top four quarterback this week against D- Detroit. Matt Ryan's weekly finishes when Julio Jones has played this year has been the QB5, QB6, and QB1. I think the Falcons are an average team that are playing like a terrible team. And like we talked about on earlier this week, they are a different team with Julio Jones. They're playing the Lions, aren't great towards quarterbacks. They give up the 11th most points. Matt Ryan is second in the NFL in passing yards. I don't know. Hell yeah. I like this a lot. I like this a lot. The the splits with Julio and without Julio are like absurd. He's like the twenty like the QB twenty four and twenty five or something when Julio. It's like the out. before and after commercials. Right. <laughs> Remember the Tony Romo's like, and I have cable. Like that's the Matt Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't have Julio Jones. Well, wasn't that Rob Lowe, not Tony Romo? 
I think there was a bunch of celebrities who did yeah, it. Yeah, there were several that, that they did that with. But yeah, so the Falcons have the second most passing yards, but they only have the 13th most points. I think they might kind of meet in the middle. I think the Falcons are going to win their next three games. I think they're going to be four and five by week 10. And uh, I like Matt Ryan this week. Top four quarterback. So I like what you said. I'm mad because I basically had very similar thoughts. Uh, my I, my bold for the week is Matt Ryan mm. and Matt Stafford are both top 12 quarterbacks and Kenny Galladay is also a top 10 wide receiver. And I basically just, for everything you said about Matt Ryan, I mean, you could have picked any combination of people. Basically, I just think this is a shootout. It's the highest over under the week, or I think it's second highest actually, but it's like 56. I think it, the game goes over. And I just think that it's going to be, the Falcons aren't going to be as bad as they've been. I think that Raheem Morris is genuinely better coach than Dan Quinn. I also mm-hmm. think, as you said, like, I mean, you said all those Julio numbers, they're real. And also you can just kind of see it. Like he makes the offense better. Matt Ryan's clearly more comfortable when Julio's in the game. And also the Lions offense is going to play better this week too. Morris is a better coach than Quinn. Not good enough because the Falcons are still giving up the most freaking yards in the league by a lot. I mean, they can get a lot better and also still suck. So I think that the Lions-Falcons game is just a shootout. And if you're on the fence about playing anyone in Detroit, anyone in Atlanta, I would lean yes in basically every direction because I think that's going to be a really big game. There's always a few games. There's always a few teams that seem like they're in the same division to me. And the Lions and Falcons have always seemed like they should be in the same division. Whenever I see that, I'm like, that's a division game, right? They're like weirdly similar teams too because they both like have a quarterback named Matt that's been around for like about a decade that has They're been both like kind of <laughs> gunslingers. Yeah, and it's like much better than they've unappreciated gun. Underappreciated, but. not really achieved too much. The fan base likes them a lot on a team that they are really like the team is super disappointing. The quarterback's yeah. not the problem. And they're both just kind of irrelevant, but they're going to end up like top eight in passing yards all the time. <laughs> exactly. And it's just kind of like, what do we do with these guys? Yeah. Also, just peak Matt, both of them. <laughs> I know seven other people named Matt who look exactly like them. Heifetz, I heard the New York coming out in that. What do we <laughs> do it? with these guys? With these guys? <laughs> you can see his shoulders bouncing up and down. Hey. Well, I think it's because I don't go out anymore. I don't talk to anyone that it doesn't come out. Oh, it's out right now. Oh, it's just the back. It's the out right now. Hat. It's the backwards hat. That's what's doing it. Is it the backwards hat? He's oh, like shit. slouching a little bit more than normal. You're like Christopher you, you Moltisanti now. You're like, hey. Oh, Moltisanti? <laughs> no, don't compare me to Christopher. I'm a Matt. No, it's okay. All right. All right, I'm DK, you are up with a gut because we just got high if it's as bold. All right. So sticking with my bounce back theme this week, Tyler Lockett gets back on track this week. Um, if you look at what he did over the first three weeks, eight catches, 92 yards, seven catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. And then in week three, nine catches, 100 yards, three scores. And then he has completely fallen off the map the last two weeks, two catches for 39 yards in week four, four catches for 44 yards in week five. Seahawks coming off their bye. I think Arizona, and this is going to be in prime time, so this should be a lot of fun. If you're Arizona, let me ask you this. If you're Arizona, who is it that you're trying to take away on the Seahawks offense? Metcalf. Yeah, Russell I think that Wilson. they're going to, well, <laughs> just, obviously. Get, get rid of them. <laughs> you know what I mean. Heifetz, you are correct. I think that they're going to tilt everything to Metcalf. Metcalf is by far the most dangerous player, you know, on their team. Potentially one of the most dangerous receivers in the game at this point. And so I think that's going to leave Lockett in a lot of situations where he can sneak behind the defense, do what he does out of the slot. I think he's so dangerous because of that. Um, Danger Russ? I think that we... Nice. Yeah, Danger Russ. And so, yeah, I'm. this is like purely gut. There's not actually like any stats that would probably back this up, but um, I just feel like Lockett's going to have a big comeback game this week. So what's your number? It is going to be 80 yards and a touchdown. 
you left out the most important guy that Tyler Lockett's a UWCG. He didn't go to shitty Oregon. He was an underrated West Coast guy. <laughs> I, was, I literally was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, it was the first time that's ever been said. Yeah. He underrated, went to K-State. He's real. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually very true. Like Lockett is one of the most underrated uh, receivers in the game. So looking at one through like weeks one through three, he, he had a 30% target share. And then weeks mm-hmm. four and five, 14%. So I think it's going to go back up. I think they're going to try and take away Metcalf. I like it. Craig, you got another gut? Yeah. Drew Brees and Jared Cook are going to combine for over 30 fantasy points this week against Carolina. <laughs> oh, you're just going I back to the quarterback tight end? Well, I love yeah. this. I love this. Yeah. This is great. So the Saints are, are getting healthy. Michael Thomas hasn't punched anyone yet. Seems like he's going to play this week. Jared Cook well, is Well, he has a hamstring pull, so he might, might he, not. Michael that's Thomas true. might not play this week. Yeah, that's the thing to keep in mind. That would actually help you. Yeah. Right. Jared Cook after the bye week, <laughs> back after missing a game or two with an ankle injury. So they're playing Carolina, who has the worst pressure rate in the league. And that always makes me feel good against these old quarterbacks like Breeze. They had the they, they rank last in sacks and 27th in quarterback hits. Um, they're super hurt on the defensive line. I think I think the spread in this game is seven and a half. I think the Saints are going to win this game handedly. And Jared Cook has been really good against Carolina last year. He had 143 yards and two touchdowns against them in his two games. And he, he's he's really consistent. He's had 50 yards and a touchdown in 14 of his last 15 games. I like Jared really? Cook a lot this week. I honestly like a lot of Saints. I like I think Kamara's going to be going insane. But Breeze and Cook over 30 fantasy points. I'm such a sucker for when you say, when you mention pressure rates. It always Here's gets another me. one. If Michael Thomas doesn't play, mm-hmm. who are you going for? Traquan Smith? Nah, I, think I, like Manny a, I think he's an interesting sleeper if if uh, Michael Thomas doesn't play. Him or Sanders. So you're not worried about Breeze? I think the, the buy helps. Yeah. All right. Mine, uh, another gut for me. I guess I haven't even done a gut, have I? Because I no. just did the bold first because you ruined mine. Uh, I think Kareem Hunt <laughs> is a huge day. Kareem Hunt yeah. sucked last. So there's recency bias, right? Where it's like a guy hasn't done so well. So you're like, does he suck? I think there's also something we forget called decency bias, which is when a team is bad very recently, because it's not just you think things that recently happened will keep happening, but you think if people are bad, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, they'll be good. But they went from playing the Steelers to the Bengals. The Steelers have, if not the best defense in the NFL, one of the best. Their run defense is by any metric top tier. And also Baker Mayfield was awful in that game. And we're not defending Baker here. We kind of or wondering if Baker sucks openly or not. Craig doesn't kind of. Craig is a no kind of kind of person here. He He's staunchly anti-Baker. Baker's awful. Seth Galina had a great Twitter thread this week that just kind of said <laughs> that Baker's first quarter. I mean, Seth Galina's a quarterback's coach who does film review for a living. And like, he's great, by the way. He basically was like, Baker Mayfield's first quarter was actually one of the worst I've ever seen. And Baker's, then you watch the video, you're like, also, yeah, wow. Baker's throwing motion looks like Tim Tebow. Like, he has the longest arm motion. Oh, uh, well, like, that's that's fight words. <laughs> But no, it's just he's not he's not seeing what's in front of him for whatever reason. And I think that honestly, I think that there's Mark Sanchez vibes in that he can't not see the rush like he can't. He just when the second there's pressure, he's seeing like Sam Darnold was like the seeing ghost quote last year on Monday in football. Baker Mayfield's the guy seeing ghosts. He just sees pressure all around him, even when it's not there. And it really messes him up. But here's the here's the point. The Steelers have the best (laughs) pressure rate in football. But the Bengals have among the worst. Like the Steelers are top two. The Bengals are bottom two. So you're getting the swing. Uh, you're getting this massive swing. And so how often does someone look bad in the NFL one week, look really good the next, and you're like, what happened? This week, what's happening is they're going from the best defense to the worst. And the Bengals probably have worse. Their, their numbers are like the 
23 in run defense and then 31st or 32nd in pressure rate. They're actually worse than that because they've lost DJ Reader, who I think was their second best run defender. And they lost Sam Hubbard, who's on IR, who's their fourth best run defender. So they're actually worse than those numbers. And then the Browns have actually their third in run block grades on pro football focus. So I think that this is kind of a classic pendulum game. And if that sounds nuts, in week one, the Browns lost to the Ravens like 38 to six and then beat the the, uh, the Bengals 35-30. And then they just lost to the Steelers 38-7, to like the same game script almost. And now they're playing the Bengals again. So who knows? So I think he has a big day, and I wouldn't be terrified to start Odell. Well, Jarvis is whatever. But even if you're worried about Odell after that game last week, I would be much more confident in the Browns this week. How could you be worried about Odell when he's immune to COVID? His body just <laughs> He's also immune to a being a productive fantasy player. Oh, Hey, yo, what's uh after Odell's offseason, you should be careful what he talks about entering his body. That's all I'm gonna say. He's just oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but Kareem Hunt, top five running back this week. Uh, I just, that was good. Finally, somebody said it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we finally said it. God damn it. All right. Uh DK. We're gonna da- we're we're gonna dance around this. We're not gonna ma- we're not gonna actually say anything specific. You can Google it if you want. Yeah, Google you it. Don't. Probably don't. Um, uh, DK, bold prediction. How oh do you? All right, I'm, I'm going to the, I'm going to the other side of the ball in this Cleveland uh, Cincy game. T Higg. So Justin Jefferson's had his big blow up game. CD Lamb has had his big blow up game. I'm calling the T Higgins blow up game. Although he already has a game with two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> I think this is going to be the the put him on the map game for Higgins because he's been very good. He's been as good as some of these other like big name receivers that have gotten a lot more. Publicity, um, Jefferson and Lamb, me, Jefferson Lamb, and that's a statement. Well, let me let me re, let me rephrase that because I don't think he's, <laughs> as, let, he's not as good of a player. I think he's as interesting as a fantasy okay asset. Let me put it that way. Still a statement though. Yeah, because listen, listen, the the Bengals are they like throw the ball more than any team in the NFL? Almost actually, I don't have it in front of me. Do they throw the ball the most of any team in the NFL? Wouldn't surprise. I believe me. he's second in attempts. There you go. Burrow, yeah, Burrow, they're they're always playing from behind. They're throwing the ball a ton. No, you know, he does lead the league in attempts. I'm sorry. Nice. He's number one. So there's a ton of vo- there's a ton of volume in there in that offense. Now Higgins is not the number one, technically. I think Boyd is probably like the go-to guy in that offense, but I think Higgins is close to like being Burrow's favorite target at this point. He's really good deep down the field. He's good for like one big play down the field every game, but he's also being used kind of over the middle and all these things. He's averaged eight targets a game in the last four games. He has like the size and jumping ability and contested catch ability to be a big time threat in the red zone. I just like Higgins a lot. I'm going with 20 plus half PPR points this week. Um, wow. And kind of like not really measurable, but put him on the map type game. This is your gut, not a bold. This is my bold. Oh, okay. I was going to say like 20 points. So DK, if you want to get, I mean, we were just talking about CeeDee Lamb and the whole Cowboys offense. And if you want to grab a player who's just about to ascend and maybe a player who might be descending, would you potentially just trade straight up CeeDee Lamb for T. Higgins? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Well, no, not straight up, because I think the whole point of trading away CeeDee Lamb is you're trying to get better value. So it's like if some you're trading for someone who has like T. Higgins on their team. And then you're trying to get a running back, and you're like, "Oh, by the way, throw in T. Higgins." No, I'm saying if, if you're like, if you want to grab a receiver who's going to score more points the rest of the way, then C. D. Lamb, T. Higgins might be an easy way to do that. Yes, but to be clear, don't trade him straight up. Get better than that. I don't think I would do it. The question Craig asked me is like, I'm basically saying, who would you rank low? higher rest of the season? Yeah, rest of the season. 
Wow, now that you say this, and the I'm fact that I'm even it, thinking about it does say a lot. Like la- like last week, it took them, it took the Cowboys a really long time to get CD Lamb involved in the game. I was bitching about it on Twitter. Like, why don't you pass it to CD every freaking time? Because every time he touches the ball, something good happens. But <laughs> it's like the opposite of with, Michael Gallup. <laughs> yeah, but I do think, just generally speaking, uh, I'm still a little bit higher on CD. But I do think there's a conversation to be had that Higgins could have a better second half season, just because he's going to have a lot of volume. They're always going to be playing from behind. I think Burrow is a better quarterback probably than Dalton at this point. So career, did the Bengals I mean, thought that like too. That's not like a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing it out there. No, and, and but that is the essence of it, isn't it? Like they Bengals and Cowboys probably have equally bad offensive lines. Honestly, Dallas's might be worse at this point, which is crazy to think about. But yeah. like at some point, aren't you kind of betting on the offense? Which obviously two weeks ago that was Dallas, but going forward, my God, Joe Burrow leads the league in pat like. Is that the move? I kind of—I actually think I've talked myself into this. I love T. Higgins. Hopefully, Joe Burrow does too. Okay, Craig, did oh, you do your does. bold? I can't keep I have track not. of anything anymore. My bold is that George Kittle will not be a top seven tight end this week against New England. Mm. So, as I just stated, the 49ers are traveling to Foxborough, where it is going to be 50 degrees and dropping as they play Bill Belichick, the former coach of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo in the chilly Foxborough air. <laughs> so not only do the Pats give up the six fewest points to quarterbacks, they give up the fifth fewest points to tight ends. And we all know what the Patriots do the best is they take away the team's best option. A couple weeks ago when they were playing the Raiders after Darren Waller had that huge game, Darren Waller was clearly the best receiving option on the Raiders. And what happened that game, Darren Waller had two catches for nine yards. On average, the Patriots are giving up four points a game to the starting tight end of the opposing team. Holy shit. I think the Patriots are going to win this game. And I think Bill Belichick is going to scheme the shit out of Jimmy G and George Kittle. If if Kittle is a no-go in this game, do you think would you go with Debo and Ayuk? Like would you feel confident starting those two guys? I think I'm I think this is a big fade Niners week for me. I know they looked great against the Rams, but I think this is really smart. And I also think if Jimmy sucks, that. we're going to find out this week. Yeah. I think that that's, that's why they really, need to I trade think, Sam Darnold to the 49ers. I went on the NFL show the other day and <laughs> that was my that was What my would you pitch. give up for Darnold? I think you could get him for a second rounder, can't you? At this point. And then the Jets just tank and get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. All right, I have to I have to pick a bone. I hate the thing of like, oh yeah, they'll just get this player in like week 7. It drives me up a right. wall. Because right. as a person who's rooted for the Giants the last three years, let me tell you how one stupid win can knock you back four places in the draft. Like the Jets can win. Like there's how many teams have one win right now? There's six. Yeah, the Jets can lot. win three stupid games and get like the sixth pick. And I just hate the thing. Oh, look at Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there's it's not like I mean, look, there's Justin Fields. There's this kid from, you know, where where what is the other top prospect in the, the who played one game this season? I can't remember his name. DK. Uh, North Dakota State guy? Yeah. Who's played sure, one game this season? That guy, who will probably also go top 10. But it's like, you can't just automatically assume the Jets are getting Trevor Lawrence. I hate Trey, this thing. Trey Lance, Danny. Trey Lance, yeah. The immortal nah, Trey Lance. That's not going to work out. I'm just saying that the it's idea that Trey you can just Lance? leap to, oh, they'll get Trevor Lawrence. Guess what? If the Jaguars get the first pick, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. All right. Sorry, it just grinds my gears. Craig has already written off Trey Lance because of his name. No, you're never going to see Trey Lance's name in the Hall of Fame. Uh, hi, Vic. <laughs> uh, your gut, your last gut. Uh, oh, yeah, my last gut. What was my, oh, oh, I think Terry McLaurin has a huge game. 
Terry McLaurin, I think, is going to do 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I know that sounds not so bold. I no, that's pretty bold. bold. I mean, that's a gut call. That, that's pretty bold gut. It's a gut I think it's 100 yards and a touchdown specifically because if you're grading on a curve because his quarterback's been Kyle Allen, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, he's been really good. He had seven catches, like 74 yards last week. About That one's a new, little New York right there. Against James Bradbury. I, I, I love it. Keep it going. Oh, my God. But it, the point is McLaurin's been really good. He's also fifth in targets in the NFL. He's seven every game so far. And wow. the Cowboys... Secondary is awful, and they're confused. They're slow. They're apparently annoyed at their coaches. McLaurin's really fast, and they get him the ball a lot. And I'm just kind of taking the odds against what has proven to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and seem to be one of the most disheartened. So, I, I just, I just think that this is going to be a huge game for him. I like it. To your point, Heifetz, um, You know, to go back to the Whopper, the weighted opportunity rating that we that I brought up earlier, Terry McLaurin is fifth in the NFL at receiver right now. Through yeah. six weeks, he's getting tons and tons of volume. It's just the quarterbacks have been terrible. He also, I, I was looking this up. So apologies if you already mentioned this. But he's also gone up against really good corners throughout the season. So that and he and he gets that lightened up a little bit. There's a lot of there's a lot to like about Terry. Talk, talk about I mean trade candidates. Terry McLaurin is right there because his schedule gets way easier. The front, yeah. as you just said, the first seven, the first six games been pretty hard. All, if you want, yeah, if you want a guy who the underlying numbers suggest is about to explode, Terry McLaurin. Speaking of which, do you guys like? He's there's two nicknames. There's F one, yeah. yeah, and then Matthew Barry is insisting on calling him Terry McScorin. No, <laughs> wasn't Scary Terry one of them too? Oh yeah, and Scary Terry. I don't really like any of them to be totally honest. <laughs> All right, well we can come up with a better one. I don't. The reason none of them have stuck is because none of them are good, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, maybe just Washington's bad. No one wants to talk about anything Washington right now. Okay, so we got the list. Are we are we drafting these right now? The ones we like the best? Let's each pick one. We each get one pick. My favorite is that George Kittle will not be a top seven tight end. <laughs> Although my real favorite is that Craig saying that all the West Coast receivers are underrated is really good. Lockett, <laughs> Metcalf, Bobby Trees, Keenan Allen. It's a really good one. I'm jealous of that. So. I think I'm going to go with the Terry McLaurin one because that was one that I thought about putting too, Danny. But I already did a McLaurin prediction earlier this season and it didn't work out for me. So, But I'm going with that one again. Mr. Steelio take, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, I like the Tally Lockett one. I just love Sweet. Seattle this year. Lock it in with Lockett. That's nice. my worst segue I've ever done. All right, time for the million dollar lineup. We are doing the million dollar lineup on FanDuel. Winner gets a million bucks. Did we win a million last week? We, I actually didn't even get to enter the thing. In the th- I messed up because it actually filled up. Again. There were, yeah, it filled up. So I actually Every week. I, so <laughs> I, I, I am the person who owes you guys money this week. We're not blaming the player. We're blaming me. The best, avail- the best oh ability is availability. I did not make our lineup available. So I really I'll, felt good about last week, too. We had a great team. So I pushed the lineup on YouTube this week. And this week, what I pushed was trying to stack the Lions-Falcons game because I believe in it. So we're rolling with quarterback. We got Stafford and Galladay in that game. And then we also got Calvin Ridley receiver. And we're doing Hayden Hurst at tight end because I'm not giving up on Hayden Hurst. And then we put in Kareem Hunt, a running back. Clyde Edwards or Lair at running back. Kareem, because he's just, he's just, he's going to have a big day and he's not very expensive. And Le'Veon's and then, not playing yet. We don't think. I don't think so. And then Clyde is just, you know what? How many times can you get touchdowns called back? We'll see. We've got Terry McLaurin in, Terry McScorin or whatever. And then. Bill's defense, because they're playing the Jets, lol. And then, DK, tell us about our flex, our, our lottery ticket play. 
This kind of goes a little bit against my earlier prediction, but David Moore from the Seahawks, who is their third receiver. No, it doesn't go against it. I mean, Russ throws for like 350 yards every game. Like, it's a hedge. Good point. Good point. He's going to throw for four touchdowns. So one of them is going to go to David Moore. Maybe two. We'll see. Uh, he's like he's their specialist. He's the third third receiver in that group. Kind of like the big play down the field, go up and get it kind of guy. He also gets used on uh, screen plays quite a bit. But um, I've been like the David Moore stan of Seahawks Twitter for the last like three years, and it's fun to see him finally kind of starting to emerge a little bit. Um, He's definitely a role player, but I, he has these spike weeks every once in a while that makes him interesting, and he's cheap this week. So, uh, David Moore against the Cardinals. Sunday Love night it. football. They got CX got moved to Sunday night, by the way. They did. Which Beautiful. is great. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, let's do fantasy court, and we'll get out of here. Yeah. All right, it's from Mark. Mark. Hey, Danny, Danny, and Craig. I've got a unique situation for you that requires an unbiased third party to rule on the decision. I'm the commissioner of Keeper League with my college buddies, and we have a waiver stealing rule. If you bid the same amount as another manager for a waiver pickup, we rule it a tie, regardless of waiver priority, whoever the fantasy set awards the player to. The first manager to post a video drinking <laughs> a full beer gets the player. This is oh fucking God. awesome. This is really great. And it says, post-college, this has turned into whoever can sneak away from work for a mid-morning lunch beer wins. Anyway, this week, someone chugged a hard seltzer to steal the Bills' defense, which caused an uproar in the league group's chat since it is decidedly not a beer. Some are arguing that a seltzer maintains the spirit of the rule, and others are not having it and don't want the steal to be upheld. What should we do, and who's going to walk away with the Bills' defense? Okay, so we have not talked about this. I do have a thought. Do you guys have a hard, like a, a staunch opinion? I on have this? many thoughts. I've thought through both. I know what I think. Hit me. I think it's it doesn't count. It needs to be a beer. Why? They're different drinks. I mean, if, if you were going to do a chugging contest against somebody and someone's like, oh, you obviously don't mind if I chug against you with a seltzer, right? I'd be like, no, they're completely different. It's like, it's like a soda and an orange juice. They're different. DK, what do you think? My question here, and this is getting like really technical. Like, could you do a vodka water? Is that fine too? The winner isn't the person that drinks the beer the fastest, right? It's the first person to post a video of them drinking a beer. Yes, right? correct. So it's, to me, it's not like, it doesn't, I don't think it actually really matters, to be honest, if it's a beer or as long as it's an alcoholic beverage, the spirit is you're drinking during the day, you know, at work. It's funny. Like you're sneaking away from work to drink alcohol. It's not. It's not like the how fast you chug a beer because if it was yes, but if it was how fast you chug a beer, that's a different thing because beer I, and seltzer are different. Like it's like harder to chug a beer maybe or whatever. Like that. But if be it's different. beer, isn't part of the whole thing is like this guy at his job's fridge or whatever? Maybe there was only a, a white claw in there, and then he did that instead. Is that fair? <laughs> that's the thing. So I agree. But here's the thing: there are two ways to look at this. The letter of the law, spirit of the rule. Letter of the law. Did he post a video of himself drinking a beer? No. Fails the letter of the law. But we all agree that the goal here is to go with the spirit of the rule. So the question is, is a hard seltzer a beer spiritually? And which I sent on behalf of the court. I followed up with this guy. And on behalf of the court, I requested more documents. And I asked him three questions. <laughs> what was Danny the went brand of hard seltzer? Yeah, we got all the evidence. What was cool. the brand of hard seltzer? And then I asked, do your league mates drink this brand of hard seltzer at times when beer is available. And Mark responded that the seltzer in question was White Claw and mm. that they use seltzers interchangeably with beer for the most part, bringing a six pack to a party, playing drink games. And the fact that it is individually canned is definitely a point in favor of the ruling. 
Our group has spirited debates on the flavors and brands of seltzers, and I'd say White Claw is the preferred brand for us. And here is my thought on the court. If they talk about seltzer enough that they have a preferred brand and drink it in lieu of beer often, it spiritually is a replacement for the beer. That guy gets the that guy gets the thing, and then write your goddamn rules more specific. But <laughs> I rule no that that has to count because their group has we're interpreting their group's rules, and they have already ruled seltzer interchangeable with beer. I'm just gonna say like if if this guy had gone and and like chugged a Zima on his lunch break and sent it in, like to me that's hilarious, and it should count. Here's the funny part though. This is all hypothetical. Here's the best part is we're actually throwing the case out on a technicality because <laughs> the fact that the other guy, he's and this is from Mark, he has not posted a rebuttal. The other guy in the room has not posted a rebuttal <laughs> chugging a beer, it, which is truly a head scratcher and would make the ruling harder. The other guy hasn't posted a video at all. So the guy doesn't get the guy. The he guy didn't even show the, up to court. Yeah, He didn't show up to court. You <laughs> yeah. automatically, he yeah, so you lose. court date, throw it out. So it doesn't matter. This is so <laughs> now it's an opportunity for you guys to figure out if seltzer is up. Make a rule. But yeah, here's what I would do if I was Case if I was the only judge in this situation. I would say uh, the other guy has to come up with a funnier thing to drink and chug it and then he could win. All right. Well, bring in the dancing lobsters. Case dismissed. Fantasy court is out of session. Thank you to Mark for that email. RingerFantasyFootball at gmail.com if you want to send us fantasy court cases. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. And thank you to everyone for listening. Best of luck this weekend. We will see you on Monday.